Welcome to the Impromptable Podcast, where I'm joined by Dr. Dritz as we speak about athletic event preparation. How does sports medicine play a role in event preparation? Well, I think I will start by saying that sports medicine is a really multidisciplinary, or you might want to say interdisciplinary um, arena. So from the standpoint of the athlete preparing for whatever sport that they play, that they're involved in, um, is going to be, there's a lot of different players that we generally will be involved. So you could have, you know, sports and uh, strength and conditioning coaches, right? Like um, our friend, uh, David Ross, right? Another, um, you know, another, another, another cricket, another cricket fan and um, party cricket crew. Um, People work with, personal trainers like yourself, right? And then they work with coaches that would be more geared to the specific sport that they're involved in. And as part of their preparation, obviously they're going to go through different phases based on the timing of uh, when the season normally is or when they want to hit the peak. So... Moments. Mm-hmm. Generally, you know, people go through things such as, you know, conditioning phase. So you might work, you know, you doing a lot of endurance work more so. Uh, so if you talk about, you know, sprinters, um, you know, or. Um, you know, they would start off with that conditioning phase where they're focusing more on building, building that endurance. Because when you're playing, obviously you need to be able to go the distance, mm-hmm. right? For whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think that's especially so if you're talking about football. Because if you look at the distance that some midfielders run in a football game, you know, with serious intensity, especially if they play all 90 minutes. Then kilometers, kilometers. Yeah, sprint. then... Yeah, then, you know, you see men running, well, definitely at the elite level, you know, we see when they have um, the people that give you this information say, okay, this man has run like 10 kilometers during this game. Uh, you can imagine You can imagine that. That's right? a lot. And, and you would not necessarily see it. Because they're not going, going, going all the time, but they start exactly. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you need, so you need to have that. You need to have that endurance. Um, so you know, you start working on endurance, and then you would start working on other phases where you're actually looking at more um, sport-specific stuff. So, for instance, if you're a sprinter, you know, let's say if you look at a, a school. Uh, athlete who's in school for instance in the first term you might find although they're a sprinter the coach might tell them okay well do some cross country mm-hmm. right which which normally is in the first term of school because all that is part of the conditioning that they'll be doing so they'll be doing a lot more distant stuff probably going on the road running on the road things like that and then building up now we know the second term, January, February, March, especially with a lot of the um, big meets being in March or early April, mm-hmm. 
from January, you would see definitely, or maybe even a little bit earlier, definitely they're gonna they're gonna focus more on their on their sprinting. So then they're gonna start okay, trying to build speed. They've already done the endurance, but now you know you have to work on the speed. Further on, as you get even closer, then they might start working on even more technical, specialized things like starts. Mm. Right, and then of course you have to put all that stuff together um, before the you know before before the competition, and you would really be winding down from doing so much endurance type stuff in terms of the volume that you'll be doing um, into more skill based um, specialized things. So that's 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 kind of it in a in a, in a nutshell. Um, and of course, you have to have adequate recovery and all that in there as well. Um, so to to prevent injury, um, you know, people like Ross or you know coaches that specifically coach whatever sport could tell you definitely more details and drill down. Okay, you know, this is what we do for football, or this is what we do for cricketer, or whatever the case is. But most people generally follow that. Yeah, we'll generally follow that that kind of path um, mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of preparing for sport. I like that you mentioned recovery in there because I think that's something that a lot a lot of the times that is overlooked. You think about all the hard work that you put in, so the grit, the grain, um, and then you have all the all the messages coming out that you know every day you put in work, you know, but. But the recovery aspect is just as important. So can you elaborate a little bit more on why recovery recovery is so, 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 so important? Yeah, recovery is crucial because if you don't have adequate recovery, you definitely put yourself at risk for injury. Um, you put yourself at risk for, we used to say burnout before, um, but I think a lot of people now would say overtraining, right? Mm -hmm. Overtraining syndrome. And... That can affect anybody, but I think it's something that you really want to stave off with younger athletes, mm -hmm. right? Because that can lead to issues not just with the physical side in terms of decreased performance. You know, you might be your, let's say your, your, your best is 10. You can run 10, you can run 100 meters in 10 seconds. And now all of a sudden you're running. 10-5, 10-7, it's like, what, you know, what, what, what really happened? Um, right, so you, have, so you have decreased performance because, you know, you may be carrying a, a slight injury. And we spoke with Athletes Mindset last week yeah. where you're really conditioned to kind of push through minor niggles and stuff like that. So it, it, initially, it might just feel like a niggle um, accompanied by you know, this kind of decreased performance and stuff. And then eventually, if you keep going, you don't have recovery, that can then go into injury. Um, and it's not only associated with physical stuff, but it's also associated with mental, mental um, issues. And I said mental issues in terms of um, anxiety, you know, like poor sleep, stuff like that can come in. Mm -hmm. um, people also seem can 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 be at risk of um, things like illness, right? Being more prone to illness, so you know that's another thing. Your immune system, mm 
a moderate amount of exercise seems to be protective. Like a moderate volume of exercise seems to be protective. Of course, elite athletes do a higher volume, but that is normally something that they work up to. Right. Right. But if you are doing a high volume exercise continuously, you're not getting, letting yourself recover, then your risk of illness actually shoots up. Right, right. And, and this is... exponentially, actually. Actually. But that's, that's, that's good information because you always hear that exercise and movement is good for the immune system. But at yeah. the end of the day, what you're saying is that at the end of the day, you're still, you're still um, causing your body to work hard and therefore it has to recover so you can get the effects for that immunity. Correct. Correct. And so what, what you were touching on was, was, was also um, like CNS fatigue as well? Yes, exactly. CNS fatigue. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of this stuff plays a part in how you, in how you perform. So, yes, you've trained your muscles, right, um, and everything. You, you know, you work, you, you did whatever you work out in gym. You do all the sports-specific stuff. But then there's also the fact that, you know, your nervous system, starting from the brain, has to control mm -hmm. this whole thing. And you might get like a slight, a slight disconnect going on. So you, you can't kind of coordinate everything even from that level um, because mm -hmm. of the whole overtraining, the, the lack of recovery, et cetera. And so then when we talk about recovery, you know, in recent times or not so recent, we always think about things like ice baths, massages, um, those sort of things, right? Compression garments, you know, those types of things, which are important, right? But the easiest recovery thing that everybody can do is sleep. It's sleep. That's the easiest one, right? And, you know, this is another thing, too, where the culture is like, oh, sleep when you're dead and, and all this sort of thing. So people feel like sleep. Man, I, could skim, I could skimp on sleep. But when mm -hmm. you're doing sleep, but when you're doing sleep, you are actually inviting those problems and problems with the physical, the, you know, the immune system not functioning like it should. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we all, we, we all experience this. When, you, when you're accustomed to getting a certain amount of sleep and then, you know, you went out partying and, you know, instead of sleeping eight hours, you sleep five. And then you, and then you say, oh, I can, I can go to work. You don't function at your best. You don't function at your best. Then in midday, your head hurting. Yeah, you everything just problems. Yeah, yeah, problems. Problems, yeah. You you on you you on your third or fourth cup of coffee just to try to get through. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it, it's just problems. And now imagine if that was a chronic a cr kind of chronic state. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of situation you would be in, right? True that. True and that. you know, and sleep has or lack of sleep has impact on a lot of different things, like you know your skin. All types mm -hmm. of different things. So, you know, when you're talking about beauty sleep, mm -hmm. you know, beauty sleep is actually is actually a concept because, you know, you 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 get enough sleep and your skin start getting issues and you be like, oh my god, you know, what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and to show you how important sleep is, Cristiano Ronaldo, mm -hmm. Serena Williams. Michael mm -hmm. Phelps, 
Big Usain Bolt. Big wins. Right? Right. All the big wins. Champions. Nobody can say that these are not champions. What what have you feel about them personally? The 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 records are there, right? Mm -hmm. These are people that have taken sleep so seriously that you know there there are people actually I know they've done surveys or whatever. They found out how much how much sleep these people take, how much sleep these people get, or if they took special measures to ensure they got the right amount of sleep. Mm -hmm. All of them. All of them plays a significant emphasis on sleep. Right. Um, Michael Phelps, if I remember correctly, had like a special room or something to sleep in, make sure he get the best that he could get. Mm -hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo was paying somebody. He 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 was paying a sleep coach thousands of dollars. So you know, if they're doing it <laughs> right. Everybody should see how, how important it is. And, uh, and, and the thing about that, Cristiano Ronaldo, at, I think 36 years old, still has the performance of a young 20, comfortably. The man is, man is a problem. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw Quinn made a comment here, the, the famous quote, sleep is for the weak. But if you don't sleep, you yeah. can get weak. Yeah. I think that's really what can happen. Yeah, yeah. The but the thing about it... Yeah, but the, the the thing about it is is that if you don't sleep, the lack of sleep can catch up to you somehow, sometime. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you don't want to sleep now. I don't want to sleep this week, man. When I hit you, it, it can just take you. It can just take you. You you haven't, you haven't got an option. It can just it can just it can just sneak up on you and you can say, ah, I got you now. Come here. <laughs> put, put in a, a headlock. Yeah. Yeah. Lay down there and shut your eyes here for, for, for fight for, for 12 hours. Don't move. <laughs> don't move. Don't move, friend, there. All right, then. Lock off. But you, you mentioned um, recovery in that aspect being absolutely important. When we talk right. about recovery in terms of nutrition as well, if you want to touch on that very, very quickly. Um. I wouldn't say that is my that that's my forte, but definitely you need to have um, the appropriate amount of calories, the appropriate amount of protein, definitely mm -hmm. for uh, recovery as well as if you're trying to build muscle, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in the gym or whatnot, obviously you know protein is a is a constituent of if you're trying to build muscle. So mm -hmm. if you say, man, it won't get big. And you going to the gym six days a week, and you not and you and you not and you not putting the protein. How you how 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 your muscles and get big? You got pump. You got pump out with air because <laughs> it, it, it can it, it it can't work. It can oh, it cannot work. It can't work. You get strong, 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 but the muscles right. ain't, gonna, ain't gonna ain't gonna swell up. Ryan says the lockdown has done wonders for his night rest. <laughs> well, we we see the benefit. One benefit of the lockdown or the pause. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and sport and sports nutrition is a is a is an area you know it's kind of specialized area actually you know you have yeah. nutritionists that then will could sub like, sub specialize in sports nutrition they would tell they will tell athletes okay your weight is X and your goals are Y and Z you know mm -hmm. the you know this this is the amount of protein you need in a day to meet help meet your goals this is the amount of calories you should have. Um, you know, and things like that. And then, 
you know these guys that I mentioned at that elite level they know they know these types of things they know um you know the type of food that they should have how much calories Michael Phelps used to you know chow down an obscene amount of calories that if we thought about doing it we would you know we we probably would not be able to move um you know and 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 that sort of thing so definitely do not overlook you know if you have a goal um you know if you're not if you're not making it that might be an area that you might want to look at as well and you know nothing's wrong with having that conversation with somebody who's a specialist in the area and say well you know I have these goals um you know could you just review my my diet and tell me you know I'm on the right track or I need to change something or whatever yeah man well i just wanted to touch on that because i think that there's an uh, a necessity as it relates to recovery as well i mean you're yeah. fueling yourself you're fueling yourself but after you work so hard you also need to put something back into the system so that mm-hmm. you can work on start that fueling now for the next time you're about to push yourself um in a in a in, a, in an intense way as it relates right. to athletic training so you spoke about the phases you spoke about building that engine with the endurance and then getting a little bit more technical as you go along. Um, we're athletes who, are, who will be doing burst running, will be doing sprints and that kind of thing. Then you might do some block work, for example. Footballers mm-hmm. might work on technique. Cricketers might work on technique. Hockey players might work on technique. So you spoke about those phases. And then we get to, you, you mentioned peak, peak performance. So I just wanted you to elaborate quickly on what your definition of peak is and um what do you what how how would you uh define preparing for that peak phase like very close to the event and i also want to to state that lim lym underscore ie says hydration as well is very important that's that's very good point very very good yeah yeah so she she's uh, she's she's absolutely right um hydration is something that you know is on a there's an ongoing basis, just like just like food, just like sleep, um, the other methods of recovery. Um, peak, the peak, the peak performance, I would say, is you know that 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 person being able to achieve the the the, the potential that they have uh, for that season or whatever the case is, and obviously that's based on all all different factors that um, influence performance. Um, their potential based on their genetics because we can't get away from that. That's a that's mm-hmm. a fact of life, and and the and and the training that they would have put in, um, as well as the psychological aspect, which uh, definitely plays a role. Right. Um, so I mean, I'm not a I'm not a coach, but I would think, you know, basically. As, as as time goes on and they're kinda approaching that competition, they would have gone you know, they would have gone through phases that we spoke about. And instead of doing high volumes of um you know, work that is heavy on the endurance side and so on, you know, they're mm-hmm. gonna do they're gonna there's gonna be a lot more focused um you know on those on those on those technical aspects that would really help to execute help the person to execute and um get them as close to achieving that potential as as, as they could so you know sport to sport that's going to take different um that's going that's going to look differently 
Yes. Understood. Understood. So, so we went through all of the phases there. And I just want to touch on things now that would elaborate on a, a few more things that would keep the athlete in the game, whether it be on the field, on the court. Because I know this is, this is more so now where you come in a lot more in terms of keeping them going, basically. So, so how is that in terms of the, the general aspect of it? And, and then how do you manage athletes? Because this is something we touched on last week, but how do you manage athletes lately? in season um, to remain, you know, pretty much mitigate injury and maintain their performance levels? Right. So I think starting out with, you know, screening, the screening that we spoke about last week, the screening is, is, is crucial, although that will come usually preseason, right, or mm -hmm. early in the season. When I say the season, the, not, not, the, not the competition, but, in terms of where they started the, the, the preparation. Mm -hmm. Although that would have started early, and you would have done that early, that's important because that basically helps you pinpoint any issues, potential issues, deal with them, and then you know, okay, well, it's not like this person has a knee, you know, a possible major knee issue that is waiting to happen. You might have, you probably have done something or uh, recommended measures to kind of avoid that whatever you saw, whatever you found when you did your evaluation turned into a big problem. So uh, the screen is crucial from that standpoint. During the season now, um, I think the onus is really to try to pick up um, any injuries or problems early. Um, mm. So we definitely need the athlete's help and the, you know, the coach, the trainer, whoever, um, you know, to make an early referral so that you can, you know, assess, see how bad it is and institute the appropriate, the appropriate action, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the example, that real-world example I gave you last week about the young lady who was a sprinter who had the hamstring tear, you know, that was not, like, that was not a very good example of you know, appropriate timing of, of seeking medical attention. Um, right. Because, you know, it was basically the, the, the day before uh, major competition. Mm -hmm. And at that time, is, you know, there's really nothing that you can do. Um, you know, at the, at the higher levels, I would see people, you know, or you might hear about people doing things such as, or... Um, you know, I have this, I have this toe, this finger, this AC joint in the shoulder that's a problem. Um, you know, you could just give me an injection and I will play through the pain, right? I, so I, I understand why people may want to do that, but right. that is kind of fraught with uh, potential challenges. Mm -hmm. Right, not only for the athlete, but for you as the as a physician, because mm -hmm. you're you're doing you're you're doing this, and you know your your goal is that you want to keep them in the game, and they may see this thing as a little, man, you know, yeah, it 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 bad enough that it hurts me, and you know, well, they play or whatever, but you know, when that anesthetic in there. You know, it feel like a new, it feel like a new structure. 
Yeah. But it's not. But it's not a new structure. It's a damaged structure, and it's at risk of getting further damage if you continue doing what you're doing. And now it's numb, right? So whatever. So whatever protective things your body might have done because of the pain, you've lost that. Mm. Know that you've done that injection, right? And and as I said, you know you might do this. You you might help this guy out with this thing, give him an injection. He continue to play, okay. But then injury gets worse. <laughs> you know he might be like, "Well, doc, you should know better. You shouldn't let me go. <laughs> you shouldn't let me go there like that." You no, know. Yeah, this is your fault, man. You you know, mess me up. You gotta get surgery, and also our thing. I could have just stayed and do a little rehab. Now you gotta get surgery. I can be out for nine months because of this, you know. And if and if and if and if and if he's angry enough, he might sue you. So, <laughs> you know, I I I don't see it as. As worth it, I know we, we we definitely would have heard a lot of um, and read about a lot of instances where this is done. Um, you know, including in, including in, in cricket, right? You you hear about guys that get injections and continue to play because they're on tour. You know, they feel a vital match coming up or whatever the case is, but they can't, they can't lose the players. Yeah, but I mean, you know, even guys that are secure, have their place secured, do this mm. because the mindset is there that, you know, they want to continue to play, um, you know, if they can and if they need to take some kind of help to do that, you know, they will, they will, they will do it. Yeah, I mean, we touch on this. You, you kind of touch on this in this conversation quite a few times. The mindset, where where does where does mindset really come from, though? I mean, this is something I expect you to to, to answer. But mm. the, this this thing has prevailed for such a long time, and then the marketing seems to make it worse. Go hard or go home, and, and all of these messages that are 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 filled with love messages that if you are not going intense enough, you are doing nothing. If you are not on the ground when you finish your work or your training, you have done nothing. I, I just don't understand why this thing prevails and prevails so strongly because to me it's absolute folly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, 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 funny, the, fun, the, fun, the funny thing is that, you know, people will try to make you feel like, you know, if you, if you trained, right, and at the end of the training session, as you were saying, Barbados, your belly to pull out, Right and <laughs> right, and you about there throwing up and thing. They be uh, like, yeah, they be like, yeah. You put in, you see that there? He put in real work. You know, he good. He 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 he's a champion. You remember when I? You remember when I used to double in track and field, right? I can say double. Yes. You understand? Mm. I used to go training and see fellas occasionally that get a belly pillow. <laughs> and it wasn't a, and it wasn't a, and it wasn't a cheese on bread. Well, he's a star. You should get uh, laugh at. You should yeah. get laugh at. You should yeah. get laugh at. I basically said, I basically said, man, you know, it was too hard for he, you know. Uh -huh. He had no right, he had no right eating food so late and all these sort of things, yes. right? <laughs> so, you know, so I, 
I don't understand that. I don't understand that that concept of the belly, belly pull out thing. But um, I think you know, this is something that's kind of passed down throughout sport and culture. Um, throughout, I think society also plays a role because massively, you know, these these top sportsmen are celebrities. Sometimes they look at as you know, depending on what they do, superhuman. Um, or whatever, so you know, it's almost kind of expected that they're gonna leave everything out there, right? Um, and, and coaches and so on definitely encourage that whole mindset of yeah, leaving everything out there, um, mm. you know, doing everything for the team and all this sort of thing. But you know, it, it really a lot of times it is it, no. Is really of no help to you to do that because, yes, sometimes it might come off and you're a hero for life, and then other times it backfires. You get a big injury and they'll replace you. It, that, and that is the harsh truth. That everybody, truth. everybody, every, everybody in an organization is, is replaceable. So, you know, you gotta, you got, you gotta ask yourself those those hard questions. I tell you, boy, as an athlete, your shelf life is so short that you have to do the best to manage yourself. Like, take the Cristiano Ronaldo approach and just manage yourself the best way that you possibly can. Lucinda, yeah. you got the right yeah, because you said that that definitely ain't for you. <laughs> all the, <laughs> the go-hearted, go-hearted, you got, you got the right idea. Janua, Janua. So, so, Shane, you spoke about... Um, maintaining the athlete on the field so you spoke about the, the screening being important obviously at the start so you have mm -hmm. an idea as to what to look for for continuous monitor monitoring and then you spoke about um, being able to get early information so you can assess and treat any injuries as soon as possible this is this is also when you're preparing but also when you are actually you know in long phase competition like an NBA season or or anything like that, you know? right? And um, I, I would just, I would just, I would just jump in here again to point out that sports medicine is an interdisciplinary thing. So, mm -hmm. I see somebody with an injury, um, yeah, I diagnose it, but then what? You know, they need treatment, they need rehabilitation. That's where the therapists like Quinn and Marita and all these people will come in to, mm -hmm. you know, work with that person. Um, also do an assessment to see, you know, where they're at because generally for like return to sports and things like that, we want to make sure, you know, the, the, the person doesn't have any issues with uh, general basic activities. So obviously if you have trouble walking, you're not going to run the 100 meters, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if it's you know, if it's, if it's one body part, one area that's, that's affected, that definitely compared side to side in terms of the strength, right? Mm -hmm. So they so they should usually have over, if you if you compare on, on a percentage basis, over 90% in terms of the strength for the other side. So if you have a left-sided injury, right side is normal, you test both, you, you know, if for this person to return, you expect either normal strength, so comparable, mm -hmm. Or you know you expect over 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 ninety percent of the unaffected side, um, and then you know they can definitely do the functional testing, you know whether it's hopping or other testing 
to make sure, okay, yeah, this person doesn't have any issues with this. Or they can even check some more sports-specific um, things um, right. to see, okay, yeah, you can handle this. Okay, yeah, so now you can go back. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to, um, you know, just make sure that everybody is aware that, yeah, this is not like a one-man thing when you're managing yes. these people. Yes, I, I, I like how the dots connected there just now because we had Quinn on uh, Thursday and he would have been speaking um, around the same lanes as well. So I really like how the dots connected there just now. Um, so we spoke, we spoke about athletes and you know for me, everybody is an athlete in any way, shape or form. So we speak about the elite athletes in this regard for this entire conversation, but I won't, I won't bring it now to the everyday athlete. Because mm -hmm. we all are seeking to be as active as we can as well. Um, right. We want to try to build our immune systems. We want to try to make sure that we can be as, be as active as possible for as long as possible and be as independent as we can for as long as possible. But there are some persons who would have been um, sedentary for a while and that may be for whatever reason, you know, and they're seeking now to, to become more active I try to take on a little bit more, you know, for the sake of health and every other benefit that I mentioned there just now. Um, are there any comparisons that you can make insofar as preparation or phases that a person will go through um, as it relates to the elite athlete getting ready for competition and a person who has been sedentary getting ready for movement? Um. I think from probably pro probably from the screening standpoint, um, the screening I think for a more recreational type of athlete or somebody who was sedentary before and now looking to restart exercise or start exercise for the first time, I don't think the screening needs to be as involved as for the athlete, especially elite athlete, mm -hmm. but. You know, you see the you see these um, these advertisements where they advertise medications, and they say ask your doctor if X is right for you, right? Yes. So you can use a similar thing. I don't think your doctor will tell you that exercise is not right for you, unless you have something really really serious um, that is like a contraindication exercise at 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 the time, and that needs to be addressed. Um, because, but exercise is medicine, right? That is a, that's a, that, that, that's an actual, um, I don't know what you want to call it. That's a saying, that's a whole campaign, Movement right? Right. So just the same way that you would, um, Korean got some thought for you. Um, just the same way that you would ask your doctor about a medication, you know, you might want to get a little check before you decide, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this exercise. But having said that, um, I think for everybody, you know, they can start. Uh, they, can, they can make a, 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 a little start. The, the, the important thing is, you know, kind of taking it slow, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can get up and say in, well, you know, this is covid uh, we ain't sure if they can go crop over, right? But you can get up um, July 15th and say, 
Man, I gotta lose twenty pounds to fit in this thing. You know, could do my day. Boss, boss. Right? I love this analogy. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not gonna work. You understand? Mm -hmm. As as hard as you can go. Mm -hmm. You know, you need some. You're gonna probably need some pharmacological, chemical, <laughs> illegal help to do that, and we definitely don't recommend that. So. Mm. Um, you know, if you have a goal, you definitely have to give yourself time that you can do it slowly, gradually, and safely. Um, you consult, you, can, you know, you can consult that you know that that you don't know about that may be a contraindication or a caution when it comes to exercise. Like you have uncontrolled high blood pressure. Exercise is good, you know. If you do, if you if you do exercise consistently, that's that's actually good for lowering your blood pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Reducing your weight can lower your blood pressure, you know. For in, in a clinic, we would say a statistically clinical, um, significant amount. Mm -hmm. But when you start exercising, your blood pressure actually goes up first, right? Right. So if your if your blood pressure is uncontrolled at baseline and you start exercising, it goes up. Well, you know that could put you in some problems. You know mm -hmm. the 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 effects um, of or I would say acute effects of uncontrolled high blood pressure, things like strokes and those types of things. And you know you definitely don't want that. So you have to be you know you you should get assessed. Make sure there's no uh, serious underlying issue, but then I think you know you you can make a start and going slowly and gradually is is far better. And you know if you can work with somebody like Kurt, um, that you know despite all the all the claims by Queen and <laughs> Queen and Queen and Lucinda and, and and company, he's not he's not actually out to kill you. Uh, <laughs> you know they can um, they can guide you gradually. Um, towards your goal, so I would say that, that that's important in terms of phases. Um, the phases, I think, it's probably it, it'll probably be more self self selected. Uh, when I say self selected, in terms of what you can tolerate, yes, your training will tell could tell you do X, but if you can't tolerate it, again, you have to say something and just you know do do something a little a little less intense. Um, and you should monitor yourself by, you know, there are different ways you can monitor yourself. So some people use things like um, heart rate, right? So if you could check your heart rate, you might know you want your heart rate to be within a certain range. You could check that. Um, or if that's a little hard, if that's a little difficult, there are things such as like the Borg scale, right? So that's a rating of perceived exertion. So you would say, yeah, RPE. So you would say, okay, I want to be, in the range of, I don't know, 11 to 15 or whatever the case is, right? Which mm -hmm. is usually like somewhat, somewhat hard. So you can feel when something is somewhat hard and then you know, okay, well, I'm in that, I'm in that range. But if, it, if, if when, when it comes to 20, as you were saying, Barbara, you feel like you're getting dead. So <laughs> you don't want to be, you don't want to be up there, right? And obviously, like a six is like you just relaxing on the couch, so you don't want to feel like that either. 
Um, right. So do so so you can so that's so that's something you can use. The other one that I tell people a lot about is um the talk the talk test. Uh-huh. Right? So the talk test is for any for people who don't know, talk test is like you exercise and let's say you exercise with somebody. Um they ask you a question, you should be able to answer. Right? So you should you should, you should be able to speak in a full sentence. You might you know, you might breathe in, breathe in fast, whatever, but you can answer. Right. If you can't talk at all, then you know that's no good, right? That's too much. But if you're exercising and singing the latest Lil Rick song, <laughs> well, you know, you're probably, you're probably not doing enough. So right, you right. want to be, so you, so you need to be in that kind of sweet spot. Right. It's true. It's true. And I don't know where you start here, Shane. <laughs> but Lucinda gained down the road. <laughs> um, uh, Queen, I never saw you on the verge of passing out. Let me address that there early. So I will be seeing you at 6.15 on Tuesday, sir. Thank you. Um, <laughs> drink little, drink little tummy tea. Outside with that. Or garbage mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> Um, there is no funeral services. I just want you to know that GFS does not stand for Gomez Funeral Services. Put that <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> okay, <great. laughs> you have you have you have rung them up. You have spurred them on, doctor. <laughs> it's all in fun. Y'all are all y'all are all friends, so it's all right. Indeed, but I like I like what you mentioned there as it relates to the talk test for sure. The RPE, I always ask him for RPE. Insofar as um how how trying to get like this, how difficult things are, um you you know you're going to use the talk test in a way, mm-hmm. you know, just try to spark conversation, just to see if you can gauge the response from there, um as as the baseline levels and I try to identify the baseline levels of intensity. Uh, for the person. So I agree with that wholeheartedly, of course. And what you said, everything there, that was that's fantastic as it relates to someone who is now looking to get off the chair for the first time in years or perhaps months for whatever reason. Right. <laughs> yeah, the other the other reason. The other thing that I would add is um I think sometimes people might get a little caught up and feel a way that okay, you know, the American American College of Sports Medicine, for instance, recommends 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week, right? So mm-hmm. if you divide that into five days, that's like, you know, 30 minutes of cardiovascular moderate exercise. Mm-hmm. Somebody might be like, "Cheese, 30 minutes? Well, you got to do 30, 30 minutes might sound like a lot, but Especially if you at home now, mm-hmm. break it up. 10, 10, 10, 15 and 15, it's still 30, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it will, it will, it will add up. Um, for people who, and, you know, call, colleagues of mine who work in cardiac rehab and pulmonary rehab might see this more. People who have heart failure, um, emphysema and these types of things. Be just generally walking, these people get breathless, right? Yeah. So, what what are you gonna do? You know, if you walk or you exercise, you're gonna get a bit breathless. Okay, if you do nothing, you're gonna get you're gonna get you're not you're not gonna get any stronger. You might get deconditioned, 
And then you'll still be breathless. So do as much as you can do. Mm. And just do incrementally. You know, and that's how they and that's that's how people that have challenges like that can still be able to do um exercise and you know see see some improvement right. so 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 whatever it is that you can do would be would would be valuable most definitely I feel like I can report to the headmaster here now by Lucinda. <laughs> Doctor Drake, go as this all fairy. <laughs> oh. So they did not know that you were more than one person. <laughs> but yeah, Shane. Um, so that 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 is really good information. I I appreciate you pointing that out because at the end of the day, we're trying to get rid of the intimidation, or as some would say, the gym intimidation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some people also look at 30 minutes or you know whatever i said with cheese on i cannot find this time to really dedicate to movement you can break down that time you could do five minutes a piece and you go on clear still you know so that's that's very 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 important information really glad that you were able to say that um as well we try to, to also encourage persons to do what you can um, and that's what you said, just so you echo that tremendously. So basically you're saying, you know, if you're someone that likes dancing, then dance. If you like gardening, then gardening. If you like swimming, then swim. So find something that you enjoy and do it. Yeah? Right, right. So that's actually um, what you mentioned just now about something that you enjoy. is actually important. Um, and I think that's, that's something that people, like coaches and whatnot, would build uh, with building when they're doing uh, designing training uh, programs, right? Mm-hmm. So avoiding avoiding tedium, right? Tedium is you know the boredom, right? Because if they get if people get bored, then it's like okay, well I'm not, you know I'm not gonna keep doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's not your thing to be out there. I don't know, running on the treadmill, mm-hmm. you know, then you have to f- put it in something that you enjoy. And you just mentioned some good, some good options, gardening, dancing, et cetera. So. Yeah, man. Getting active and outdoors is, is probably a really good place to, to be active as well these days, trying to get as much sun as we can. Um, not too hot, of course. And um, I'm more friendly. We've come to the end of this episode of the Impact Downable podcast. Thank you for listening and look out for more episodes coming soon.